G'day and welcome to another podcast of Gatesy Stubby on Bible Topics. How are we all? I know it's been a little while, but I had a bit of a hissy fit with the the MIDI controller and decided not to work with the computer at all. And I'm tech savvy enough to dive into the files and by chance make it work or higher probability of completely making a mess of things. And praise the Lord that it actually worked. It only took me four weeks, but that's all right. We're back at it. And that also gave me time to read through these books of, or sorry, these chapters of Genesis that we've been doing a little bit better so I get a better understanding of it so we don't just go blasé through it. So let's just pray and we'll get into it. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we just give you all the praise and glory for a beautiful day. Lord God, we just thank you that we're able to come together However, that looks, Lord, and we're able to study your word. Father God, we just ask for your Holy Spirit to, to be here and to, to reveal all the truth through your spirit, Lord God, that whoever's listening right now, I pray that as they read your word, Father, that you may also reveal revelation to them as well to me, Father. And just pray that, yes, that you reveal all truth and make it crystal clear to us, Lord God. In Yeshua's mighty name, amen. All right, so I've been using a couple of Bibles to get a better grasp of it, and I have also found a couple more uh, apps that have really been helpful, and I've just lost my phone. Wherever I put that, I'll find it in a second. Um, yeah, I went through the Apple's, sorry, the Play Store for Android, really trying to, find a more in-depth concordance and i actually found one app and it's called actually if i exit it like that and then we go back into it <clears throat> holy bible strong's concordance and each word has its corresponding strong's number you click into that and it'll bring up every reference of the strong's it'll bring up the number for the root words so you can actually look up that strongs as well. It'll tell you how many times that word is used all throughout the Bible. And it will also tell you uh, what it is used as. So you might have one word that can be used five different ways. It'll tell you how many of each way it has been used. Um, so yes, that has been really, really helpful. Even though it's in the King James and I still struggle with the thee, thine and theirs, I can relay it with uh, the NASB that I've got right in front of me as well. So I can go verse for verse and the words that are different, I can go into the straight away, go into the concordance on the app and find out exactly what is wanting to be said. So I thought about it more and looked into uh, chapter four where it has Cain and Abel having the, well, Cain having his biff with Abel and knocking him off. Um, and then it goes through Cain's genealogy. And it stops referring to Cain's bloodline after Lamech's children, which is Jabal, Juba. Hang on, let me just double check that. Jabal, Jubal. I was right. So Jabal, Jubal. And then also Tabal, Cain. And Neymar. And these are the last ones that are referred to in the Bible. 
and they, I went through the genealogy of both them and then Adam and Seth and Cain's descendants, the last ones talked about are on par generation wise with Enoch, but it doesn't actually give years before they had such and such child. So there is a possibility that it could have been stretched out further or shorter. Um, so the interesting thing was, it says Jabal was the first of his kind. Where Let me just double check that. In Genesis 4, chapter 20. And Ada, which was Lamech's first wife, gave birth to Jabal. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. So that's the skill point that none of Cain's other descendants are recognized with anything. His brother Jubal is the first of those who play the lyre and the pipe. So the first musician, the first uh, livestock man that lives in tents. And then as for Zila, she also gave birth to Tubal Cain, the forger of all implements of bronze and iron the first blacksmith. And then it says the sister of Tabal Cain was Nama. And then Lamech has his little talk with his wives about uh, a man hitting him and then the man was killed. So it talks about uh, sevenfold. So if Cain is avenged sevenfold by the mark that God placed on him, then Lamech is 77fold. And so in that is a reference to uh, actually generational blessings that actually increase throughout the generations. We talk about generational curses that do get passed on, and this is evidence that blessings actually got passed on. But when I, I did talk to my dad one day, and he did make reference about God actually canning generational blessings. And so we will have to delve through and actually find that for ourselves to know exactly where that is. But it's really interesting that the three boys – are referred as the first of their kind, so the first livestock man, the first musician, and the first blacksmith, which means to say that their skill trait was passed on through their children, through their bloodline. But Cain's bloodline is wiped out with the flood. So you look at it, their children, so Jabal, Jubal, Tabal, Cain, and Namas, their children, highly probable, are on par with Methuselah, which is Noah's grandfather. Okay. So it is very likely that Noah married one of Cain's descendants, as did his three boys marry Cain's descendants, to be able to have these natural-born talents pass through to the generations after. For them to be the first of these skill sets, they had to be passed down. And it's not very often that the daughter actually gets referred to. They talk about the wives, but they don't, they very, very rarely actually talk about the daughter. So there has to be significance with Naima as well as to whether if the bloodlines were stretched out more, there is also a possibility that Naima was Noah's wife. There's a possibility. It's not to say that it's true, but it's also not disregarding that possibility. So I thought that was really interesting that these natural born talents but you think about you may know some our uh, families that the parents 
were very skilled, whether it's sport or music or whatever, and the talents are passed on to the kids without their children even trying. But when they do try, it becomes more and more evident. And so that is a natural talent passed on through the bloodline. So these guys had to have had the same sort of situation happen, which I thought was really, really cool. And then we've got chapter five, and it talks about the descendants of Adam through Seth. Um, and it comes down to yeah Noah with his three boys. Now, it took me a fair while to actually go through chapter six because there is so much, and I know I breezed over it because I really struggled to, to comprehend it. So we're going to read it, and we're going to look through the Strong's Concordance as we go. I have a fair understanding of it now, but I'm going to explain that and go through that with you as we do this. So the corruption of mankind. Now, it came about when men, uh, so this men the in the Strong's Concordance is 120. And this is a blanket word for mankind. And if you go deeper again, mankind in the image of God. Okay, so we have to remember that. So 120 is in reference to those that are made in the image of God. Okay. So when mankind, the image of God, began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them. Okay, so daughters were born to mankind. The daughters are still in the image of God. And this is where people have gone multiple different routes after this in verse 2. So after it says the daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. Okay. That's quite an interesting statement when they talk about the sons of God, whereas the genealogy of chapter four and chapter five that we just read, it was always referenced to the man begat a son, the man begat a son and had a son and had a son. But all of a sudden we've reverted back to sons of God and we talk about daughters of men but not sons of men there's something going on there and so I looked into it through the the Strong's Concordance you get to the word for sons which is 121 uh, and the definition is from the root word a thousand 1129 a son as a builder of the family in name or a wider sense of literal uh, figurative relationship, a grandson, as we keep going down, anointed, appointed, uh, we get down. The same word can be used as daughter. And then all of a sudden you've got uh, man, mighty nephew, old people, rebel, robber, a servant, a soldier, a steward. And this is where it starts to get really interesting. So if we look at it like this, that instead of the sons of God, because we still know that they were made by God, but does not in that word, it does not identify that they were made in the image of God. So if you look at it and change sons, because this is still one of the meanings for it, you change son with a servant or a steward. So the servants of God 
saw that the daughters of mankind were beautiful and they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. All right, so we've now changed it that it's not a, a son here on earth, but that it was a servant of God. So who do we deem as servants of God or angels? So I'll back this up as we go down further to try like, to prove this point. Uh, then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, because he also is flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years. Why did God state that after the angels came down? If they're sons of God, why did God give them an even shorter time frame with putting another curse over them if there wasn't so this is before it actually starts to talk about how perverted the earth was and we will get to that in a minute so for god to say my spirit will not strive with man forever because he is also flesh who is also flesh who's come down and taken daughters of man to be their brides angels which are a spiritual being but they have come down and taken us a physical flesh form and different bibles will talk about that differently um other books that are outside of the bible I'm, i haven't read through jasher which is a book that isn't in the bible but moses and a few others actually refer to it as an actual book from god and so it doesn't follow the canon per se for what we have in our 66 books, but for them to refer to it, there has to be actual significance that it's from God. Uh, the book of Enoch, there is multiple ways to take it. And one of uh, the early scriptures that Enoch supposedly wrote himself, and it's quite easy that he wrote uh, chapters of the books or the early books were written by him on papaya and actually given to to Noah to be put on the ark and to be passed on to generations. So that is quite a possibility. But for it to say that my spirit will not strive with man forever because he also became flesh. So Satan became flesh and his angels became flesh. There's actually two words for flesh in this and i'll quickly bring it up so flesh the words uh sorry the concordance numbers are seven six eight three and one three two zero so the first word is sin deceived or gone astray so for angels to be impressed by the daughters of man they decided to go astray by themselves they were deceived by the beauty of those daughters and no longer worshipped god so that's quite interesting so if we put in that it was the angels because the angels became flesh they became a deceived flesh they became a flesh that went astray and they became a sinful flesh because of that and then the second word purely talks about flesh all right, so we've got that now that these beings 
everyone has now had a another curse placed on them by reducing their time here on earth even more because of this act that the angels did by coming down to earth. So reducing it to 120 years and there are not many recorded after the flood to live beyond that. And even in today's society, we don't have records of people living. We've got people getting very close to 120, but it's very, very unlikely that they've gone past that, which is still a very, very good effort. Um, Because then in the New Testament, it talks about, uh, what is it? Three score and three score and 15 or something like that. So if, or is it three score and five? Anyway, it's between 65 and 80 years. If you live beyond that, count it as a blessing from God that he's added numbers to your days rather than the limit that should be there. Um, so I'm not going to strive with man because angels became flesh and Satan became flesh. So his days will be numbered. So the Nephilim, it is only used three times in the Bible, this word. Once here and twice in Numbers when the 12 spies go into uh, into Canaan and they find abundant grapes, all these beautiful fruit, and they're like, oh, this is awesome, but there are giants in the land, actual giants. So there's only two uses for this word, a giant and a tyrant. Tyrants rule with power. If it is a normal man, it is very hard to rule over the, a large number of people with power unless you are significantly bigger and significantly stronger and actually have a very dominating voice. Giants were known to have a booming voice, a roar, and in that itself, it instilled fear into people. So to have someone that's taller, well, multiple feet, four, five, six feet taller than the average Israelite, which was five, nine. So a 10-foot giant is quite plausible. They are very broad-shouldered, very muscular, with a very booming voice, acting like a tyrant. Okay? So we've got these giants when on the earth in those days. Uh, and also afterward. So in those days and after, they continue to be there. What was it after? It was after the flood that Goliath, that Goliath is evident that he was in there. There, uh, King Ur was the king of, I think it's the king of Tyre. Uh, he was recorded at being about fourteen feet tall, and he was the king, acting as a tyrant. So the Nephilim were on the earth in those days. Also afterward, when the sons of God came to the daughters of men, they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Okay, so this is where it took me a while to actually delve through this. So in the King James, uh, it talks about uh, there were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in, unto the daughters of men, and they bear children to them. The same uh, children became mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Now, the word men here is in the concordance 582. All right. 
582 means properly immortal and states thus differing from the more dignified mankind. So men before this point were known as mankind and afterwards as well. So for this word to be used as a proper mortal, someone that is not mankind, someone that is not made in the image of God. All right? That says a lot in itself, doesn't it? If it's not made in the image of God, what's it made in the image of? For these giants to be there that are not in the image of God, they were made bred between two species. You can look into it as much as you like or as little as you like. But from what I've found in this, looking through the base words, that it was angels of God that were very attracted to the women that God had created on the earth, came down and through their breeding came about giants that were not made in the image of God. And so that bloodline had to be passed on somehow, didn't it? And we will keep looking through because there is a curse placed on one of Noah's boys and he becomes Canaan. Where did the giants come from? The Philistines who resided in Canaan. And they branched out from there. So for the king of Tyre and those sort of places. So for it to be thereafter indicates that their bloodline survived the flood. Noah's bloodline was recognized as righteous and pure, not having these things in there. But it's not to say about the daughters. If they came from Cain's bloodline to pass on these natural talents from their grandparents or their grandfathers, and for Canaan's family, so that was uh, Ham's bloodline, I'm fairly sure. I'll double-check that when we get there. But they passed on this angelic bloodline that was people not in the image of God. Okay? So there's a lot to take in there. Take your time looking through it, process it however you like. But for what I see in the Word of God, that's the depiction that I get. Okay? Um, And they were known as mighty warriors. Giants had a reputation for being warriors that overpowered everyone that they came upon. And Goliath was a good example of that. All right. Then the Lord saw, so in verse 5, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Okay? So this is after there has been born giants that are not in the image of God. So when the angels came down, God was very displeased with that. So he put a curse on them to reduce their time frame because people were having their first child at the age of 120. Whereas now they've gone, you have to speed everything up. You can't be casually taking your time. So we've got that part of it. 
And then after there's been giants in the land, God has seen the wickedness of this and that every intent and the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. And another thought of that is if people are living for 900 years, they were actually, they were very, very smart back then. For Adam to be cluey enough to recognize an animal and go, this is what you're going to be, you fit this characteristic, we're going to go with that. For them to be blacksmiths and musicians and that, they were actually quite cluey to develop these things, right? So if they've done that, what's to say that they could develop technology, however it looks? If you look at our history now, within the last 100 years, how fast technology has vastly developed, literally from a horse and carriage. Not to say that they advanced to what we are now, but if one person was a genius back then, if he can work and develop stuff for 800 years, where do you think they would have got to? And for them to think like they are like a god, God needs to shorten that so they don't have the time to process it. So in the last 100 years, how many people have picked up the banner to pass or the baton to pass on developing this technology? It's been passed on three, four generations to get to where we are within the last 100 years. If you've got one bloke or one woman doing that and then they pass it on and then they pass it on, so it's 1,500 years between Adam and Noah. There's a lot of possibility that they were so reliant on their own technology that they go, we don't need God anymore. And so for God to look at it and be sad and that they only thought of sin or sinful things, they had evil in their heart and evil in their mind, and every intent of their thoughts was continuously evil. There was not a piece of, like an ounce of righteousness in them. There was no right standing with God, that they were constantly enveloped with it. And in Revelations, it talks about it'll be like the days of Noah when Christ returns. And we're starting to see that more and more, that there is just continuous evil that people's morals are so degraded that they think it's perfectly fine to do what they're doing. There's no uh, conscious conviction playing on their heart whatsoever. All right? So for them to be continuously evil, God saw it and God was sorry. So uh, verse 6, and the Lord was sorry that he'd made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. So this is the word of God is divine because it's spoken from God through men. And so this is part here is a perception of man's viewpoint of God. For a man to rationalize it, he went, God was sorry of this creation that he made. But we know that God has foreknowledge. Before the foundation of the world, he knew he had to sacrifice his son, but he still willingly did it. Not because he made it such a structure that man didn't have a choice to avoid that situation, but the probability in, in man not falling into sin and staying away from that tree is almost on par with the probability that the earth and everything that we know came from a big bang and the 
the possibility of the earth being at the exact distance from the sun and all these things that they talk about, there's such a minute probability. It's You could look at it the same way as this, that the probability of man actually staying in the garden, not falling into sin, regardless from all their curiosity and all these things, is very, 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 very low. All right? So the Lord always knew, but even though he knew, he still has these emotions, these sensations. And so God was grieved that man, he had hoped that man would not fall into sin, but he knew that he would. And even when it happened, he felt these emotions. And when we get to into the New Testament, I'll show you something with uh, Jesus that I learned from a pastor that I thought was very, very profound, that even in his divinity, through his uh, flesh, he encountered something that he hadn't encountered before, and that grieved him. All right. So, well, actually, yeah, it'll be 29 minutes. All right, we better have to pull up. So we've finished it. Uh, verse 6 of chapter 6, that what the Lord saw that was continuously in man, he was grieved in his own heart. So we will pull up there. I hope you guys have a great day. And we will, again, when we start up, we will start off in verse 7. Hope you have a great day. See ya.